Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous message, I provided an introduction to the Gospel of John, and in this program, I'd like to start by talking about the objective of God, or what his purpose really is. It would be a good idea to have this in mind in order to have a better understanding of what he is doing, why he is doing it, to understand a little bit more about our condition. And I think through this, a person can have a better appreciation for what we have here in the book of John. To begin with, I think it's important to see that we have a God who wants us to know him that this is in his interest. He genuinely wants to have a person who he can have a personal interactive relationship with. This is clear. I think there is more than enough evidence that we can find in order to show that this is the case. We also have a God who wants people to be able to decide. He wants us to be able to decide or choose if we want to have a relationship with him or not. And so when we are in a condition, when we are in a situation where we are asking questions such as, is there a God or not? Like I presented in the previous message, this is an indicator to show you that you have a God who wants you to be able to choose to want to know Him. That this would be a voluntary experience, a voluntary decision by both people, by God and by you, to engage in a relationship with one another. Now, of course, to have a relationship with another person, there has to be an agreement with regards to what this relationship is going to be and what this relationship is going to be about. Otherwise, the relationship will not exist or the relationship will quickly dissolve because both people's interests do need to be satisfied. With regards to our God, he does have criteria. He does have interests. He does want a relationship on the basis of certain terms. For example, he wants to have a relationship with someone who will believe him, who will trust him. These are important things to him. He wants to have a relationship with someone who will be honest with him, who will be real and who will be true with him. He wants a relationship with someone who values what is right, what is good. And he wants a relationship with a person who wants to turn away from those things that are evil. It doesn't mean that we won't have any sin in our life. There will be an understanding with regards to that. However, we have a God who does want a certain kind of person to be in his life a kind of person that he can have a relationship with, and not someone who's going to be absolutely perfect. He's never going to get that, and we all know it. He wants a relationship with a person who has an interest in growth and in change. 
He wants a person who will be alive. That's the word that I'm going to be using. He wants a person who is alive, who is a living person. And a way to understand a living person is this is a person who grows, who will change, who will become better than who they once were. These are some of the interests that we know our God has. And I think it's important for us to understand that what he thinks is important, as I mentioned in the previous message, what he thinks does matter, and that you're not going to be able to have a relationship with him without considering those things that are important to him, in addition to those things that are important to you. Now, also in the previous message, I mentioned that there is clearly something wrong with us that there's nothing wrong with God, that there is, in fact, something wrong with us, that we are in a certain condition. And I explained briefly the gospel, the good news, in the context of we are in a condition of sinfulness, but we are also in a condition of being spiritually dead, that this is a way to understand the bad news, and that the good news is that our God has provided for forgiveness for the sins of the world, so that he can restore to us the spirit of life and make us alive spiritually. I'd like to spend a little bit more time on this in order to give you a better appreciation for some of the word choices that John made when he began his letter in the Gospel of John chapter 1. He uses the word life, for example, and the idea of life does relate to this issue of the condition of humanity. You see, when God gave the law to Adam and Eve, the law that they are not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he told them that the penalty for that would be death, that they would definitely die in that very day, at that very moment. It says this explicitly. Now, of course, as you continue to read, you discover that they did continue to live after they ate from the tree. They were alive physically. And they continued to live until they physically died. Adam lived to be 930 years old. They did a lot of gardening. They had children. They were quite active for a couple of dead people. It wasn't a physical death that he was referring to. The physical death is a consequence, but it wasn't the real issue. The real issue was that they would die spiritually. The life of God that was breathed within them, the Holy Spirit of God, would be removed from within them And in that way, they would become spiritually dead. Now, everyone who was born from Adam and Eve from that point forward were born in the image of Adam, not in the image of God. Adam and Eve were created in the image of God, but everyone from Adam and Eve, they were born in this world in the image of Adam. And a simple way to understand this is to think of the word as a reflection, because that's really what the word means. It means to be a reflection of something else, like you would see in a body of water or in a mirror. That's what that word meant. And so Adam and Eve were a reflection of their God. And of course, there is a lot to be said about this subject. I'm not going to get into it right now. It meant that Adam and Eve were a reflection of God, But those who were born from Adam and Eve were a reflection of Adam and Eve in the condition that they were in after they died spiritually. So what this means is that all the people who have been born into this world since Adam and Eve 
are born in an image or they are a reflection of what it is like not to have God because we are all born into this world spiritually dead without our God dwelling within us to guide us, to lead us such that we may have an interactive relationship with him and through our experience with him, we would reflect our God in a physical, visible and audible way. This is a summary just to give you an idea of the way that things were and the way that things are. So what we have in the world is we have people who are born into this world spiritually dead. And this is the nature of our problem, that we are dead. We have the absence of life, the absence of the life of God. Certainly we are alive physically. We are very functional from a physical point of view. But from a spiritual point of view, this is the problem that God is going to resolve through the Lord Jesus. Now, it was not God's decision that people would be dead spiritually. It was not his decision. It was the decision of Adam and Eve, and everyone has suffered because of that decision. God knew that this decision would be made. And if Adam and Eve did not violate the law, it would just be a matter of time before someone would have violated the law and would have eaten from the wrong tree. It would have just been a matter of time. So we have a God who made a provision in advance. He made a provision in the sense that he knew what would happen. He knew what the consequences would be of his creation not because of his decision, but because of the decision giving the power of choice and decision to the people. He knew that this would occur, which is why he established plans to provide for salvation, which is why John described this as the creation of the world. The world was created through the Lord Jesus with the intent that there would be a savior. So in John chapter 1, It says in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's using the word beginning, and he's beginning his gospel with this tone in order to relate to the beginning of creation and the real issue at hand. And, And his choice of the word, word, exaggerates the importance of God wanting to be truthful to live in that which is true and real. In verse 2, he was in the beginning with God, referring to the Lord Jesus, who is our God. This is not a description of two different persons. Although there are a lot of people who believe that, I am not one of them. I will be very open about my personal opinion that this refers to the same person who is revealing himself in a different abstraction revealing himself in a different way. Not only is he the God who is the creator, but he is also the person who provides salvation. In verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In verse 3, he emphasizes the point that everything was made with the understanding that there would be a need for salvation, that there would be a need for a Savior. And everything was made with that understanding. And it would be at this time in history, 
This time when our God would manifest in the flesh and he would dwell among us, that's why I read verse 14 in the previous message. In verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Our God came at this time in history, about 4,000 years after the fall, in order to make the provision for reconciliation. A lot happened between the fall of humanity and the reconciliation of humanity at this point in time, but most of that had to do with resolving many questions such as, do we live according to the knowledge of good and evil or not? As Adam and Eve were tempted on that basis, if we just knew what was good and we knew what was evil, then we could be like God. That question needed to be resolved. And our God spent about 4,000 years answering that question to his satisfaction, to his satisfaction in the sense that he provided enough evidence to show that that is not the way we are to live. We are to live by him dwelling within us, guiding us and leading us internally through a personal interactive relationship with him. So a way to understand this is that everyone is born into this world spiritually dead. You are in a condition of being dead. And John uses the word death and he uses the word life and he uses the word darkness and he uses the word light. He uses these words throughout his gospel and they all have the subtle meaning of referring to those who do not know their God compared with those who do, those who are spiritually dead compared with those who have been made spiritually alive according to the gospel. These are terms that John uses in order to express the reality of what is going on between us and our God. And so in verse 4, in John chapter 1, verse 4, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, one way to definitely understand this is to say that when Jesus was present, he had the life of God within him. He was God himself, and so obviously he had the Holy Spirit within him. And the life that he had was expressed in such a way that Jesus portrayed a form of light, the light in the sense of reality, the light in the sense of truth, the truth of our God. And so his presence, his physical presence among the people that he chose to dwell with at this time in history, they would see their God reflected off of him. The Lord Jesus was in effect an image or a reflection of God because he was God himself and he was there as a man to live as a man, not to live as God, but to be there as a man in order to live with us, grow with us, teach us, show us things in a similar way that I described the story of the ants who needed someone to become an ant in order to warn them of the impending doom of the tractor that I mentioned in the previous message. That's what was going on here. Our God manifested in the flesh in order to relate these things to us in a clear and understandable way, and he gave us the freedom to decide how we would respond to what he revealed to us. And so this idea of the life 
was with us, and the light of God was manifested. The light is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Again, in verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. In the past tense, we could say that this light was something that the men at that time were able to see in the past tense. And the life was the light of men, and that they were able to see that until the Lord Jesus was crucified. That's one way to understand this. I believe that that is definitely true. But there is a subtlety here that I believe John is indirectly communicating as well. And that is that the life that dwelled within the Lord Jesus was also the life that once dwelled within men that once dwelled within humanity, that was the life that dwelled within Adam, within Adam and Eve. And so this being written in the past tense speaks of the light of God being present with the Lord Jesus being present, and then it departed when he died. That's true. However, there is a subtlety here where John speaks of the Holy Spirit saying that the life that was in the Lord Jesus was the same life that was once within humanity. But because of what Jesus did, because he died on the cross and resolved the sin issue between God and humanity, he was then also able to present and offer the life that was lost in Adam, the Holy Spirit, for anyone who would be willing to receive the Holy Spirit. And then the life that was once with men, would now be restored, and we could have the life of God within us, and the light of God could be emanated from within us, so that others would also be able to see the light of God, as they once saw through the Lord Jesus during this time in history. However, now it would be something that people could see through the new creations, through the children of God, through those who would be born of God because of the presence of the Holy Spirit within them. And of course, the Holy Spirit will never depart from within a person ever again because the only thing that caused death, spiritual death, was sin. And our God resolved the sin issue between himself and humanity through the death of the Messiah once for all. All sin was resolved, the sin issue was completely resolved through the death of the Lord Jesus, so that when the Holy Spirit would be restored to people, there would be no sin that would cause the Holy Spirit to depart from within humanity ever again. And so that's a little bit more detail with regards to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, especially as it relates to verse 4. But continuing into verse 5, it says, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. With reference to the Lord Jesus, the light of God shone within the darkness, shone, it was emanated within the community of people who were all spiritually dead. That was the darkness. No one was spiritually alive. And so when Jesus was present there, he was able to express and manifest the light of God. 
but the people were not able to truly comprehend what they were witnessing, what they were seeing, because they were spiritually dead. Now, it doesn't mean that they couldn't understand or comprehend anything. It just meant that they could not comprehend the magnitude of what they were really seeing, of what they really witnessed. So the darkness in verse 5, the darkness is definitely referring to the people and that they were not able to comprehend what they really saw and what was there in front of them, which is partially why, towards the end of the Lord Jesus' ministry, very few people were close to him at all. And those who were, were there knowing that there was something that they could see, something that they could understand. But not even the disciples who were the closest to him really comprehended the magnitude of what Jesus was there to do, what he was there to accomplish. And so today, we still have a world filled with darkness. And the only people who will be resurrected, who will have the life of God dwelling within them, who will then illuminate them in such a way that they can see their God and see reality and truth, For this to take place, a person has to embrace and accept their condition that we have a problem, that we are spiritually dead, and that we need to be made alive. And these are the people who God is able to work with. These are the people who God is able to resurrect. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, as an example, It speaks about the spirit of man. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, it says, The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Now, it doesn't mean our heart. It means the heart of God. Our spirit is the lamp of God through which we can see the inner depths of the heart of God. But for a lamp to function, it needs to have oil. An oil lamp would need to have oil. And oil is used in order to describe the Holy Spirit in many places throughout the scriptures. What this means is, is that for us to be able to function as God created us to function, for us to be able to see him, know him, and know his heart, that we may search his heart and know him in a personal way, we must have oil In our spirit, we must have the Holy Spirit within our spirit. It's similar to our electric lights today. We can have a fantastic electric light, but if there is no electricity flowing through those light bulbs, then you might as well have a potato stuck up in the sockets where we put these light bulbs because it's not going to function as it was intended to function. Consider our automobiles. Most of our cars run on gasoline. If you do not have gasoline in the car, then the best you can do is exercise advanced car pushing techniques in order to get this thing to operate. You must have gasoline in the car, just as we must have the Spirit of God within us in order for the car to function, in order for us to function. How about a pen? For a pen to function, it must have ink. There are a lot of illustrations that we can use that just as the pen needs ink and the car needs fuel and the lamp needs electricity, 
in order to function correctly, so also we need the Holy Spirit of our God dwelling within us. And so this is the introduction that John writes to speak about our condition, God's provision, the issue of life, the issue of the light of God, all these things, these words are used in order to describe the situation. And what we are going to read is the way that our God resolved these issues through the ministry that he conducted. And I think it's important for us to know and appreciate what our God decided to do in order to provide the means by which we can have a relationship with him, know him, and know his heart. Now, this letter, this gospel, is the testimony of John. In chapter 1, he includes the testimony of John the Baptist. And that's what I'll be explaining in the next program, is a little bit about the testimony of John the Baptist, that he was a witness of the Lord Jesus as well. And it's important to remember that what we have here in the scriptures is the testimony of witnesses who were present at the time our God decided to show up personally and reveal himself in these ways. Thank you for listening. This program is the second program in the verse-by-verse study on the Gospel of John. And in this program, I spent more time talking about the Gospel with more detail And I spent time talking about the words that John chose to use, the words life and light, darkness, those words that do have distinct meaning when it comes to the gospel, that it is necessary for us to understand that if we are going to know our God, if we are going to know the things of God, if we are going to have a relationship with him, it is necessary for his spirit to dwell within us that we must be made alive in order for us to have a personal, interactive relationship with our God. And this gospel that he wrote was written for the purpose of encouraging us to believe the gospel and be saved. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net thank you